Boy, that's a great song. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, uh, um, Macy, for leading us in our off-door prayer. This is GA Sunday. You've seen some GAs handing out bulletins, taking up the offering and praying. And so we're going to be talking about uh, or emphasizing GAs today. It's also Sanctity of Life Sunday. So I'm going to be preaching on the importance of life. Specifically, the sermon's entitled, What Are You Worth? We're going to have parent-child dedication in the 11 o'clock service and little... Um, Graydon Thomas Brooks and Harper Elizabeth Grist and Trip King will be dedicated. And what that is is just a, an opportunity for us as a church and for the parents of these three children to come together and covenant together that we're going to work together and partner and, and raise these children in the love and admonition of the Lord. So I want to talk about life this morning and how precious life really is because God made it so. God created life, and uh, when he created man, he placed his image upon us, and when he did that, made us holy. Hebrews 2, 5 through 8 is actually quoting a psalm, but I'm going to read it in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5. It says, it is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified, What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. The writer of Hebrews is quoting Psalm 8. When I considered the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him. You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. What are you worth? It's a title. What are you worth? Let's pray together. Father, help us to see our worth from your eyes and your perspective, knowing that you knitted and put us perfectly together in our mother's womb. You created us. And when you did that, Lord, you placed your image upon us and made us just a little lower than the angels and gave us dominion over the created order so that we might praise you and be in relationship with you and love you. Help us fulfill our purpose and recognize our worth. In Jesus' name, amen. One point I want you to know from the message today one thing, and I try to have at least one thing in every sermon, that's the point of it. The point that I want to make today is that life is of infinite worth to God. You are of infinite worth to God. Now I looked up on the internet to see how much our chemical components might be worth in our bodies. This is what I found out. In our bodies, we are 65% oxygen, 18% carbon, 10% hydrogen, this is what a chemist will tell us. 
3% nitrogen, 1.5% calcium, 1% phosphorus, 0.35% potassium, 0.25% sulfur, 0.15% sodium, 0.15% chlorine, 0.05% magnesium, 0.0004% iron, and 0.00004% iodine, and several other trace elements. And the going rate for a body's worth of these chemicals is about a dollar. A dollar. Now, you might get more for an internal organ, but that would be illegal. Thank goodness. So an alternative might be to tan your hide to use it for leather. Now, the price of cow leather is about 25 cents a square foot. So someone figured you might be worth about $3.50. I wish I had known that when I was young because when my father said, I'm going to tan your hide, I could say you're not going to get much for it. $3.50. So if you combine your hide with the dollar's worth of chemicals, that's about $4.50. I'm going to stretch that a little bit and bring the, rent, the grand total up to about $5. So you can feel better about your chemical value. Now don't be surprised at that. Because I got to think, and I also looked up on the internet, the wood that Stradivarius used to make a violin might be worth about $100. But when you put that wood in the hands of Stradivarius and he assembles a violin, how much is it worth? A couple million. In the same way, your chemicals and your skin might be worth about $5, but when God takes those components and puts them together, priceless. Priceless. Our society is in the business of devaluing life. As a matter of fact, I just noticed in the Christian Index this week, the Georgia Baptist newspaper, the, the editor, Gerald Harris, wrote an editorial about devaluing life. Everything around us is in the business of devaluing life, from abortion to euthanasia to, uh, to life to, to suicide bombers, I, you know, there used to be a day when men would settle disputes in the bar with a fist fight. Now what do they do? They pull out guns and start shooting. It's like life means nothing anymore. And I, I've talked to folks who've been over in the Middle East and served in the military, and they say life over there just is, is, is so different. It's, it's so middle-aged from what we, what we experience here today. It's life has such little value, such little meaning, and Society continues to, to chip away at it and, and to make it worth less and less. And that's what our world is all about. God values life. Our world devalues life. It tears away at it. It chips away at it. Our world is telling you that life is worthless. How can that be when it's something that God created and gave it value? No one has been able to create life. Only God. Um, there's so many passages. There's, you know, the one, one passage in Matthew 19, 19, it tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves, which means love your neighbor as you love yourself. So if you don't love yourself, which is where it has to start, how can you love your neighbor? And, and you love yourself not because of pride or arrogance or egocentricity, but because because God created you and said you have worth, you have value. 
And you can love yourself because he loves you. So what has happened, though, is that the world has devalued life, and so people don't feel worthy of receiving God's love, of, of, of receiving his forgiveness. People don't feel like, I, I deserve what Jesus did for me on the cross because I am so worthless, I'm such a sinner. And God says, you are a sinner, but I love you anyway. You aren't perfect, but I love you anyway because I created you and I, I deemed your life valuable. I gave it value. So in contrast to what the world says about your life, the Bible says something entirely different. And I just picked out a couple of verses because the Bible tells, you, tells us how much life is really worth, how much you are worth because God created you. The first one's in Matthew 12, verses 11 and 12. And this is what happens. Jesus said to them, what happened is Jesus runs into a man with a withered hand and it's almost like the scribes and Pharisees have set him up to see if he's going to do something about the withered hand on the Sabbath so they can criticize him. He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, would you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. So they, they considered healing a man with a withered hand to be work on the Sabbath and to be breaking the Sabbath law. Jesus says, y'all have got it all backwards. The Sabbath, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. Man is more important than religious rules and rituals. And, and when those rules and rituals become a burden on man, when they become an unnecessary a requirement on man, then, then you have got it backwards because the Sabbath was made to help man and to serve man and to give him rest and peace and an opportunity to worship. But y'all have turned it around and you said that all these uh, rules and regulations are more important than man. No. Man has worth. Man has value. You are worth more than just animals. And he goes on, Mark 8, 36 Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? You are worth more than the entire world. All the money, all the gold, all the, all the cattle on a thousand hills, you are worth more than your possessions. You're worth more than anything else this world has to offer. What does it gain you if, if you have all that but lose yourself? In the process. You're worth more than animals. You're worth more than the entire world. In, in Mark 2, 24 and 27, he says, you are worth more than institutions. Once again, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. You've got everything all backwards. You say all these things in the created order are more important than human life. And the Bible says, no, it's just the opposite. Life is more precious than animals. It's more precious than laws and regulations and religious institutions. It's more important than anything else the world has to offer. That's the value that God places on life because he created us and he placed his image 
upon us. And not only does God give us worth by creating us, but he enhances that life by showing us what he did for us in the process. In all creation, it says here in, the, in, the, in this passage, you made him a little lower than the angels. Notice it didn't, it didn't say that he made us a little higher than things down low. He said just a little, here's God and Jesus, here are the angels, and here's man, just a little bit lower in the image of God. Now when he made us in the image of God, what does that mean? What does it mean to be made in the image of God? And we can think about all different kinds of things that separate us from the animals, from anything else that God created. When God made us in his image, he gave us intelligence. He gave us the ability to distinguish right from wrong. And you know what's right and wrong. Basically, in your conscience, you know. Animals don't know that. I was watching... Uh, our dog has a friend, another dog that comes over and visits, and they eat out of each other's food all the time, and, and they don't have any guilt about doing that whatsoever. They steal each other's food because they, don't, they can't distinguish right from wrong. But you and I can because we're created in the image of God. We have freedom. Another thing that's been created in the image of God is free to choose. Free to choose to worship God and serve God Freedom to choose not to do so. Freedom to choose Jesus and follow him. Freedom not to choose Jesus and not follow him. We have freedom to make all kinds of choices because we're made in the image of God. He also, in his image, he gave us intelligence. He gave us freedom. He also gave us a spiritual nature. I think that's what it means to be made in the image of God, too, is to have this nature within us, to know there's something empty there's some void in us if we don't have God in our hearts. I was reading a story about the, the created beings, and they said, Oh God, you know, why are you creating man with freedom? Aren't you afraid that he will reject you and leave you? And God said, No, because I created man with a void, and that void can only be filled by me. And until you have that void filled by God, you're always searching, you're always longing. You're always needing something else, something more that only God can supply. A desire that only God can fill because he created us with a spiritual nature left unfinished within until we are made complete in him. So God enhances our life, placing his image on us, giving us intelligence and freedom and a spiritual nature seen in all creation. Secondly, God enhances our worth because of the incarnation. When you think about what God did for us in sending Jesus to earth, how much must God have deemed our worth to send Jesus, his only begotten son? How much did God think we were worth to do that. Jesus came to do two things, and both of them were for man. He came to serve and to save. And both those things he did for us. And if we were not of infinite worth to God, do you think he would have sent his only son to serve and save us? Of course not. He came to show us God's love, because that's how much God knew we were worth. 
to him. So anytime you devalue life, anytime that you think you're not worthy or that life isn't precious to God, think about what God did in sending his son. And not only did he send his son in the flesh, but he also sent him to die on the cross. How much are we worth? We're enough for Jesus to go to the cross and die. His, God's love for man is most clearly seen on the cross. Jesus came from heaven to earth. He lived among us. But that's not all he did. He went to the cross to die. And God had the choice of saving his son or saving you and me. He couldn't have done both. And God chose to save you and me. So, and his son was sacrificed on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. That's how much you're worth. That's how much life is worth to God. You see it in creation. You see it in the incarnation when Jesus came to earth. You see it in the crucifixion. God says life means this much. I placed you a little lower than the angels. I sent Jesus from heaven to earth. And I allowed him to be crucified on a cruel cross because that's what life means to me. That's how much you mean to me. I know you've heard the poem, The Touch of the Master's Hand. I'm going to read that poem and then tell you the story behind it. It kind of goes along with Stradivarius taking some, some wood and assembling it into violin and suddenly making it of inestimable value. The touch of the master's hand. It was battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it hardly worth his while to waste his time on the old violin, but he held it up with a smile. What am I bid, good people, he cried. Who starts the bidding for me? One dollar, one dollar, do I hear two? Two dollars, who makes it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, going for three, but no. From the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. Wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening up the strings, he played a melody pure and sweet, as sweet as the angel sings. The music ceased, and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, What now am I bid for this old violin, as he held it aloft with its bow? One thousand, one thousand, do I hear two? Two thousand, who makes it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice, going and gone, said he. The audience cheered, but some of them cried, We just don't understand. What changed its worth? Swift came the reply, the touch of the master's hand. And many a man with life out of tune, all battered with bourbon and gin, is auctioned cheap to a thoughtless crowd, much like that old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He is going once, he's going twice, he is going and almost gone. But the master comes, and the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that is wrought by the touch of the master's hand. Now what makes that poem so special to me was that in doing a little research, I found out it was written by a woman named Myra Brooks Welch in 1921. And what was remarkable about Myra Brooks Welch is that she was in a wheelchair crippled by rheumatoid arthritis when she wrote this poem. Her gnarled hands could not hold a pen to write, but she took two pencils and using the eraser ends 
typed out this poem on a manual typewriter in about 30 minutes. If Myra Brooks Welch, sitting in a wheelchair, crippled by rheumatoid arthritis, knows the value of life and the importance of the touch of a master's hand, how much more so should we? From an unborn child to an elderly person in a nursing home bed, life is precious because the master made it so and his hand has given us great worth. And there's no denying that. And it breaks my heart to see what society is doing to the unborn child and to the person crippled in a nursing home bed thinking that their life isn't worth living. That's not for us to decide. That's not for us to decide. Only God can create life. Only he has the wisdom to take it. We leave it in his hands. He created us in his image. He touched us. He placed his thumbprint upon us. And he said, you are worthy. You are precious. And your life has value. If for no other reason than because I created you. And I love you. And I sent my only son to earth to live and to die for you. Don't you ever say that life is worthless or you, you are worthless or that doesn't mean anything. Because what you're saying is that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for you was a mistake. And it's not. He did that because God chose to save you to love you and to prove to you his love. What's your life worth? It's worth Jesus in God's eyes. And that is priceless. Let's bow. <clears throat> God, forgive us, forgive us for devaluing life, for not seeing it from your perspective. When you create life, it has value. You place your image upon it. And you said this life is precious. From the preborn child to the elderly person in a nursing home bed, life is precious because only you have created it. And you said it is so important to you that you're going to send your son to live on this earth and to die on a cross to pay that penalty for our sins. That's how much one life is worth to you. Greater love hath no man that a man lay down his life for others.
because you loved us, you created us, and you have redeemed us. When we look at Graydon and Harper and Tripp and the parent-child dedication service and the other precious children running around our church, we know that life is dear. Help us to see it, Lord, as you see it. Help us not to listen to what society says and, and how people treat each other and what little meaning life seems to have as people point guns at each other in anger. Fill our hearts, Lord, with more of you and help us to love and to cherish life every moment of every day. Of course, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.